The time has come to get ready for the 2022 World Cup. And what better way to prepare than by revisiting the World Cup's most amazing goals? I'm Brian Phillips. I'm making a podcast about the history of the Men's World Cup, told through the stories of 22 iconic goals. The show's called 22 Goals. It's out now on the Ringer Podcast Network, and we're having so much fun. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. Take a shot at betting the NBA with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with Fandle, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. This summer, click into cordless power with Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the Ryobi 40-volt battery-powered mower. And keep your flower beds fresh with the 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Then clear debris with the 40-volt jet fan leaf blower. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at your cordless power source, the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Baby, it is a, a Tuesday edition of New York, New York with yours truly, J.J. Johnson-Strevsky. And as I sit here in Wynwood, I'm at the Spotify offices in South Florida. Daniel Jones is going to join us. CP, the franchise, who's unbelievable with the Knicks stuff, is going to join us. Um, I'm glad I'm away this week. And I'm glad that I'm enjoying like 80 degree temperatures at a great round of golf, sub 100. Anytime I have that, I'm very happy. Uh, and I'm glad I have some distractions Disney in the next two days because I can't wait for these football games this week. We're living in a world where December, the Giants and the Jets are playing monstrous football games. And you're going to hear me ask Daniel Jones this question about the idea of this being the biggest game that he has ever played in his life. It is the biggest game he has ever played in his life. The Giants, if they want to be a playoff team, they have to find a way to beat the Washington Commanders at least once. I think the magic number for the Giants and the Jets is 10. I think if both teams find their way to 10 victories, they will be in the playoffs. There is a path for each of them to maybe end up with nine. I actually think it's more likely in the NFC you can end up with nine as opposed to the AFC. Seattle has some tough games coming up. The Commanders obviously have some tough games coming up. But look, for the Giants, you got seven wins. This is the team you got to beat. The problem the Giants run into is they've lost three of their last four games. When they don't run the football, they struggle to move the football. That is obvious if you've watched them. 
in the game against Seattle, if you watched them on Thursday against the Dallas Cowboys, that is problematic. And where are those big plays coming from? Look, this is not a knock on anything the Giants have done this year. They've exceeded everybody's expectations. You love where you stand with Shane. You love where you stand with Dable. But for this team this year, are you a better team than the Washington Commanders? And this is not to say the Giants are going to lose the game necessarily, but on paper, if we're looking roster v. roster, who's got the better team? It's obvious to me. Washington is more talented. They're a deeper, better roster. And right now, they're playing much better football. That's why the odds makers, maybe Brian Dable and the folks can use this as motivation. Vegas installed the commanders as favorites in this game. And for what it's worth, I think it's the right decision. Doesn't mean the Giants aren't going to win the game. But all of a sudden, you look, the Giants are plus money on FanDuel to make the playoffs. When they have been... Minus money now for the better part of six weeks. Telling. Very, very telling. Now, something the Jets, they don't want to do, but they should do it. Just make Mike White the starter for the remainder of the year. Why are we beating around the bush? Why are we playing games? Zach Wilson is done. He's finished. He is not going to be a starting quarterback next year. Take the freaking L. This dog and pony show. I don't know if they're trying not to hurt his feelings or whatever the case may be. White just threw three touchdowns. Looked like freaking Mr. Swag winking at people. He, Mr. Florida boy is uh, all sorts of Joe Cool. He's your quarterback for the rest of the season. And, I, and my Twitter, by the way, I don't know if it's like the Zach Wilson fan club. I don't know if it's bots. I don't know if it's Elon Musk. I don't know what the hell it is. I had all of these Zach Wilson truthers. When I'm scrolling through my mentions the other day, and I'm like, "Where? Are, who are these people? I know Jeff fans. I, w- I know way too many Jeff fans in my life. I know Stefan. I-, I just got off the phone with Beningo a few minutes ago. Uh, Mike Fliegelman, Tommy Keenan. I-, I had too many in my life. Not one of them wants to see Zach Wilson again and does not want to see Zach in any game this year. All of them. United front. So where are these people coming from? I'd love to know. Elon maybe could give me some insight on that. Who the hell knows? But that's your quarterback. Mike White is your quarterback. And if he has a bad game against the Vikings, I don't care. He is your quarterback. He's going to get the guys involved. Wilson, Moore, you name it. And we're talking about the point spread being telling in the giant game. How about the fact that the Jets in Minnesota against this Minnesota team that doesn't lose but is defying the odds makers, it feels like, week after week. Vikings are only a three-point favorite in that game. Now, that was the same one we had for Jets or uh, for Pats and Vikings, and I uh, I took a big fat L on that one, which I was more than happy to do, might I add. Telling to me that that is only a three-point line. But these games are freaking great. We're going to dive into all these on Thursday when we do our Football Friday picks with Beningo and Art. Think about the games you have coming up this week. You have Jets-Bills, or you have Jets-Vikings. You have Giants-Commander. You got Pats-Bills on Thursday night, which is a fascinating game. You have my team, the Dolphins, and McDaniel taking on Shanahan and the Niners. Those teams are playing unbelievable football. You got a rematch of the AFC title game with the Chiefs and the Bengals. 
Titans and Eagles. NBC was just idiotic because of their love affair with the Dallas Cowboys. And I get it. They get ratings all well and good. That should not be the Sunday night game. And I don't know when they're making a decision about what they're doing next Sunday. Chiefs Broncos better be out of Sunday night football. I don't want to, I want to hear it's Patrick Mahomes. That should not be the Sunday night game. When it's 28-10 Kansas City in the second quarter, nobody needs that. I don't need to see that Denver team in primetime ever again. So, a lot of great games this Sunday. But a whole lot of pop, sizzle, and marquee for the Jets and for the Giants. We'll have the quarterback of the Giants, Daniel Jones. He's going to join us in a matter of moments. And I'm glad that we're having CP on. Because right now, I need to get a sense and a feel for where the Knicks are at as a franchise. They're 500. They're getting ready for the Pistons tonight. It's such a meh feeling around the Knicks. Like two years ago, I was super excited. Last year, they inevitably regressed. Brunson's fun to watch. Smart player, want the ball in his hands at crunch time. Point guard that they've desperately needed. But where is this team going? What is the end game for the Knicks? What is it? I I don't have a great answer for you with the regression of R.J. Barrett, with Randall kind of being what he is as a player. They're in a really, really weird spot. So I was hoping CP could give us some uh, perspective on where the Knicks can kind of go from here, whether that's in the weeks, the months, whatever ahead. Because right now, I'm for me, it's a lot of apathy with this team. It's weird. They're meh. They're not particularly exciting. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. We watch them every night, but like. The buzz, it's not there. You could you could try to spin it, sell it any which way you want. It's not there with the Knicks. All right, so this mini pod, we got Daniel Jones. We got CP, the franchise. Giants playing the biggest game of the year. Quarterback playing the biggest game he's ever played in. I don't think I'm being dramatic. Daniel Jones, he's up next. It's going to be a monster Sunday for the New York Giants. The Washington Commanders come to town. There's a whole lot at stake. There's a whole lot on the line. We welcome in the quarterback of the New York Giants after their loss Thursday against the Dallas Cowboys, Daniel Jones. What's happening, DJ? How you doing, man? Doing pretty good. How you doing, JJ? DJ, it's good to have you on. Um, let's start here. You guys have been a second-half team all year. That has been your MO. That has been what has worked for you. You've gotten off to some slow starts. You guys really have rallied in the second half of these games. This Cowboy game on Thanksgiving, it felt like a polar opposite of that. It felt like you guys were cooking in the first half. You have a six-point lead, and then things don't go according to plan in the second half. So take me through what was the difference for you guys first half of the game and why you had success, second half of the game, and why you guys did not have success. Uh, Yeah, I thought we got out to a good start and made some plays early on with the ball. Uh, You know, it would have been nice to score a couple touchdowns and. you know, a couple of those situations, but we moved the ball well and, and uh, played played pretty well. I think the second half, we just, just couldn't sustain drives the same. There was a couple of plays we didn't didn't execute as well as uh, as well as we needed to in that situation. And you give credit to Dallas. They did a good job. Um, you know, they controlled kind of that second half um, on offense. And then, you know, we didn't do a good enough job uh, keeping the ball on our end and, and uh, making enough plays. So, um yeah, it was a tough game for us, tough tough second half for sure. You mentioned that first half and a couple of drives that, unfortunately, you guys were unable to finish. Was there a lot of lament about that illegal man downfield? Because I know watching a live DJ, I thought it was a Fugazi call. I'll say it, you don't have to, but 
when you went back and watched the tape, I mean, it basically took six points off the board. Was that something that you looked back on and said, man, that was a real difference maker in the game? Um, yeah, it was a tough call, tough call to, to not go our way. You know, I think you see a lot of those calls with the, with the RPOs and how many teams are running RPOs now with, um, you know, when they're reading a the guy and then throwing the ball late and, you know, that really wasn't that situation or just kind of a, a naked, uh, with a hard, hard fake and then a naked out the other way. So you wouldn't really expect it on that kind of play, but, um, you know, it's kind of a judgment call in those situations by the, by the ref. And unfortunately we were on the, on the wrong end of it, but. Uh, tough play, but we, you know, we got to be able to bounce back from that and, and uh, you know, score, score anyway. Well, in the second half of this game, to me, DJ, the turning point in the game, it's a one point game. You guys give up the opening drive touchdown. I loved Coach Dable going for it. Your defense was on the field. It felt like for forever. It felt like a lot of guys were going down with injuries, cramps, whatever the case may be. And you guys have a fourth and one. And I'm watching it live and I'm like, they got to go for it here. They got to go for it. They can't punt the ball back to Dallas here in that spot. They go, you guys go for it. It looked like it was going to be a 40, 50 yard point to Saquon Barkley. You can't make the throw. Saquon can't make the catch. Is that the play you look at, DJ, where you say, if this play goes a certain way, maybe the outcome of the game ends up differently on Thursday? Did you get that sense? Um, I mean, I think it was certainly a big play in the game. Um, definitely affected uh, affected the game. I think you know, uh, got to got to certainly make a better throw there and, and get the ball out in front of them. And I think um, you know, who knows what would have happened? It would have been uh, you know, we obviously would have had to execute the rest of that drive. And and uh, there's a lot of a lot of different ways that game can play out. But we're certainly in, in a better situation if uh, you know if we if we convert that situation. Was that one of those throws, DJ, you knew like right away? Probably like, you know, like you make a bunch of good throws, obviously, over the course of a game. Was that one where the minute it kind of came off your hands, you're like, oh, no? Um, yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I mean, I think I realized I missed it uh, pretty early. Just, uh, yeah, untimely situation there. Can't afford to miss it. Okay. The Cowboys gave you guys a hard time in two games this year. They're a terrific team. They're going to be in the playoffs when it's all said and done. The games were competitive, though, DJ. There were plays that could have been made. There were opportunities in the game at home and the game on Thanksgiving Day. What was it about Dallas specifically that gave your team such a hard time in these two matchups? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think when you look at both those situations, you know, both those games, uh, the way they played out, and, and like you said, there was plays we could have made to put ourselves in a better position to win. and, and um, you know, so you got to, you know, first look at what, what you did or what you didn't do well uh, and evaluate that going forward, how you're going to improve on that and, and what kept you from, um, you know, doing what you need to do to win. But, you know, that being said, Dallas is a good team. They've got tons of talented players uh, offensively, defensively. Uh, they're fast on defense. They, they uh, run to the ball and, and uh, you know, do a good job with that. So, um, yeah, they're, they're a good team and, and uh, they deserve a lot of credit. DJ, I don't like to get dramatic when we have these conversations. I could be a dramatic guy from time to time, but I think about this game you guys have coming up with the Washington Commanders. Look, it's a monster game. They're a game behind you guys in the standings. There's a chance both of you end up in the postseason. There's a chance that only one of you ends up in the postseason. And, and I'm sure for you, you can't think like in this grand scheme of big picture and 
you know, like thinking about your career in a nutshell and whatnot. But am I being dramatic in like making the point that this might be the biggest game that you and your teammates have played in the last couple of years? Am I, uh, am I being dramatic in saying that or you kind of feel that weight going into this game a little bit? Um, I think you could be, <laughs> you could be being a, a touch dramatic, but I'm no, dramatic. I, Listen, I, I know that I, I am <laughs> dramatic, but in all seriousness though, DJ, yeah. You no, played a lot I mean, of games in the NFL. This is a monster, monster game for your team. Yeah, no, it, it is. It certainly is. It's a, it's a important game for us and uh, divisional game. Um, you know, and as we kind of get down the stretch here, each each game is going to be extremely important. Um, and this is uh, this is a huge one against, like you said, a divisional divisional opponent, uh, someone we're competing with uh, for a spot. And and uh, you know, we've got to got to take care of business. They're playing good football. Uh, right now, they're a good, good team, good defense. Um, so we, uh, yeah, it's going to be uh, going to be a good game. We've got to play well Sunday for sure. You know, DJ, I think about you guys matching up with them last year. You guys played that Thursday night game. That game felt like it should have been a giant win. You played very well in that ball game. It doesn't end up going your way. It's in, it ends up being one of those like heartbreaking losses, and then you get hurt and you lose to the Commanders the last game of the regular season. You guys kind of feel as a team you owe them. Uh, think of back on that Thursday night game last year. Uh, yeah, that was a tough one. That was a tough one for sure. Tough one to lose that one. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think all these all these divisional games, there's there's a little extra on the line, and people who've who've uh, been here for a few years, kind of you know, you get the sense for that, and you understand how how important these games are. So um, we're uh, we'll be jacked up and, and ready to go for sure. I know I know everyone's excited. So you guys get a little extra time off because of the fact that you played on Thanksgiving. So you get the weekend off to get the body, get the mind right. Is that something you've noticed over time when you have a little bit of extra time? It can end up being an advantage. Not a full bye week, give or take, but, you know, it's like a half bye week, give or take, where you get the weekend. Have you noticed, like, playing as a quarterback, that's something you can kind of use to your advantage? Yeah, I think, you know, the front end of those Thursday Thursday night games or Thursday afternoon game in this situation is, is kind of tough to get your body ready, you know, and it's a quick turnaround from the week before. But then, you know, on the back end of that, you do have an extra few days. You got a long weekend to, to recover physically and then get ahead a little bit uh, on the mental side of it and the preparation and, and uh, getting ready to, to play. So uh, I think you got to use it, use it well, um, take advantage of the time and, and uh, you know, recover and, and get ahead. But yeah, I think it can be an advantage if you if you use it well. You know, DJ, from a positive from Thursday's game, Darius Slayton continues to make plays for your team. And, and it seems like that chemistry between you guys is the best it's been going back maybe to your rookie year. And I know Darius Slayton has had an up and down last couple of years. He's come on. He's made the most of his opportunities the last few weeks. Uh, are you very much at ease with that comfort level that you have going with Darius? Because in many ways, he's kind of stepped up and has turned into the go-to guy. I feel like anytime you're looking for somebody to make a play on the outside, he's kind of been your dude. Yeah, no doubt. I've got a lot of a lot of trust in him, a lot of confidence in him, and he stepped up time and time again. Um, you know, and, and made made a lot of big plays for us. So he played played really well Sunday. I uh, wish I could have gotten into him a, a couple more times, but uh, he's played played big for us for sure. I don't expect you to give me the uh, the giant playbook for what you guys are looking to do against Washington, but when you guys have been at your best this year, 
it's been you working off a of play action, you working off that running game, you using your legs to your advantage, and then making throws on the run and making things happen that way. Is that something that Coach Dable has been stressing? Not that you're going to give me the game plan, the blueprint. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think the commanders are worried about that, quite frankly. They know they got a lot to deal with. But you guys getting back to establishing the run and running the football effectively, is that going to be a major point of emphasis the next few weeks? Uh, I think that's part of it. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we've uh, we had a lot of success uh, playing that way early in the year and, and uh, you know, keeping, uh, you know, playing, you know, competitive football, taking care of the ball and, then, and making some plays down the stretch to win the game. And, um, you know, I think that, you know, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll try to execute as well as we can every time we get the ball. I think that's, you know, and, and getting our run game going um, and all that comes off of that is certainly an important part important part of that so uh we'll see we'll see how the game plays out they're they're good defense they got uh, a talented front four guys who, who are really really good players and um you know so we'll uh, we'll have a plan for it but i think the run game's a big part of it um is this the sort of game or just in general when you're facing a really good front when you know you got a bunch of dudes coming at you they're coming at you quick where it's like man i know my legs have kind of got to be on point where I got to be looking to make those plays immediately, like not thinking like bing, bang, boom. And are we going to see a lot more of Daniel Jones running, you think, in this particular game? Uh, I don't know. I, I think, you know, you get a sense for that early on in the game and kind of see how it plays out. But I think in, in those situations, being decisive and, and making a decision uh, quickly, uh, one way or the other is always always the best way to go, especially when you get, uh, you know, a front like like Washington. So. Um, I'll definitely try to try to be decisive, whether that's staying in the pocket or, or making a decision to get out. And um, you know how how it exactly plays out. I, you know, I don't know. I think you'll you, you know I'll get a sense for that once we get in the game. Now, on a much lighter note, you didn't have a conventional Thanksgiving this year. I understand that you played. <laughs> uh, you were a part of everybody's festivities. Was Daniel Jones able to unwind and have a little Thanksgiving on Friday or Saturday, or? Did, was it kind of over and done with? We're moving on. I, I don't. I don't need leftovers. I'm just uh, day after Thanksgiving. It is what it is. Kind of. How did you? Did, did you get involved with any turkey or any of the sides or whatnot? Uh, not really. Not really. To be honest. Um, yeah, I didn't didn't uh, didn't partake in too much Thanksgiving uh, food this year. But um, yeah, it was uh, it was a good weekend. Still hung around hung around here and uh, win the city a little bit. So it's good. You know, Justin Thomas, the golfer, said that Thanksgiving dinner and the turkey is a little overrated. You, you think it's a little <laughs> overrated? Maybe, maybe just a little bit. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. I mean, I like turkey. I'm not a huge turkey guy, but um, I don't know. I, don't, I, I have a tough time saying it's overrated, though. It's still, it's still a great time, great meal. All right, so we're not going to put it in the overrated category. Yeah, I, know. So, I can't go there. All right, fair enough. I um have to do like ten zillion Cyber Monday. It's Cyber Monday right now as we tape this with DJ. So I am trying to get like all the holiday Christmas shopping done like ASAP. Like I'm trying to get lists from my fiance, the sisters, the family. You got to worry about the Washington commanders, but you know, you're a family man. I know you partake in the holiday season. Uh, are you getting any Christmas holiday shopping done today? Or you, that's, that's your last minute kind of guy. Yeah, I should be. I probably should be, but I'm, I'm normally a last minute kind of guy and running around you know, not running around, but, but trying to make everything work and get, you know, overnight shipping and stuff the, you know, the day before. So I, I mean, 
I should be. I probably, you know, I'd be smart to, to get ahead on it, but uh, I, I have no plans as of now to, to get on. Well, listen, you are the quarterback of the New York Giants. You got a very powerful team at your disposal. You know, this is where, you know, you might have to pull a couple of favors. Like, hey, I got to beat the Eagles. I got to beat the Commanders. I got to get the Giants into the playoffs. Let's let's take care of my family. Let's do what I need to do. <laughs> and we'll try to act accordingly. Because listen, we all got the last minute shopping to do, but your last minute shopping has got to be getting the Giants into the playoffs. You know, that's, no that's the idea. Um, I'll leave you with this. Christmas time coming up. What's Daniel Jones want? Aside from a trip to the postseason for the New York Giants, that's the obvious <laughs> answer. I think I think all Giant fans want that under the Christmas tree this year. But uh, anything in particular you want for Christmas? I don't know. I can't. I can't think of anything uh, in particular. There's nothing. Uh, nothing that's real high up on the list that gotta have. I think. Uh, yeah. I don't know. What What about you? What you got on your list this year? You know, man. I got nothing. I thought I needed some suits. I just bought some suits. I maybe one of those GPS range finders on the golf course. The, there the you guns. go. Yeah. I needed that today. I actually played. I actually shot when I'm under triple digits, DJ. It's a good day for <laughs> That's me. A good, there so you go. we were we were under triple digits. So I'm very very happy about that. But that you know that gun, man. It, 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 even though it ain't gonna matter when I shank the shot five feet anyway. At least it makes me look cool on the golf course. You know. Yeah. You got you got to get that. Uh, got to get that thing going. Well, we'll work on that. We'll work on that. All right, DJ. Best of luck on Sunday. It's a monstrous game against the Commanders. Go get it done. We'll be watching. It's going to have a whole lot of eyeballs. You know, you guys playing this. You got to like the sound of that, right? December football, giant, meaningful December football. That just sounds cool, doesn't it? No doubt. No doubt. We're fired up. Go luck on Sunday. We want to win. Go get it done. All right, DJ? All right. Thanks, JJ. There you have it. That's Daniel Jones, the quarterback of the New York Giants. Monstrous one coming up with the commanders. The Knicks, basically two months into this year, are exactly what I thought they would be. They're a 500 team. They've gotten much better point guard play. But I'm trying to figure out, okay, where is this team headed? What is the end game for this front office? So I have a Syracuse education, but I'm not the smartest tool in the shed. This guy I love, he's fantastic. He's all over social media, CP the franchise, YouTube. He's got all the great, unbelievable Knicks coverage. And I love his stuff. I figured he'd be a good guy to have on. It kind of guide me through what's going on with the Knicks. CP, welcome to New York, New York. What's happening, brother? John, appreciate the invite. And, uh, you know, as you said, the, the team, it's, it's a 500 team right now. But uh, ho- hopefully there's some light at the end of the tunnel. So definitely appreciate you having me on. Well, it's my pleasure. So... I like Jalen Brunson a lot. Let me preface this. I'm a big fan. I think he's a winning player. I think he's a gamer. You know this. You don't need me to lecture you on this. They have not had a point guard basically my entire adult life. You want to tell me a year of Stephon Marbury, great. You want to tell me two months of Jeremy Lin, awesome. Uh, (laughs) Derek Harper, Mark Jackson, Rod Strickland, we get it. They've needed point guard play. My fear, though, with the Knicks is... Where, where Where is this team headed? Brunson makes him a better team. He clearly is the guy you want the ball in his hands at the end of these games. But where can you go? CP, literally, this is where I want to start. Where do you go with this franchise when you're paying Brunson a ton, when you're paying Barrett a ton, when you're paying Randall a ton, and your ceiling is basically 43 or 44 wins? I ask you. 
Yeah, right now they're stuck in no man's land, unfortunately, man. And look, they had an opportunity to to package up a, a huge hole and send it to Utah for Donovan Mitchell. And whether you want to say that Danny Ainge wanted too much from the Knicks or a New York tax or uh, he took the deal from Cleveland without giving the Knicks a chance to counter. There were a lot of scenarios going out, but nevertheless, they didn't get their guy. So right now they do have a Jalen Brunson, but they're, they're stuck middling in, in the middle, which is dangerous, which is it's a place you don't want to be right now. And as you said, Brunson's been great, man. You know, 21 and six career highs across the board. Uh, one turnover per game. He's He's been steady. He's been a steady hand. He's been a clutch player for them. Uh, you know, in, in the Memphis game, you missed two shots in the end to, to tie or win the game. But he's the guy I want the ball who, who I want the ball in his hands in those late situations. He's been a better decision maker and a more clutch player than what we've had in Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett. Uh, the issue is, is that when you look at these three guys, number one, defensively, they're a poorest team. Knicks right now, 26 in the league in defense. And offensively, yeah, they're about 15 because they're a very efficient two-point shooting team. They get a lot of points in the paint. Very efficient from two. Brunson, you know, a, a huge catalyst in that. But from three, you have Brunson who's shooting 32% from three. R.J. Barrett, who's shooting 26% from three. And Julius Randle, who's shooting 33% from three. They, they can't hit the broad side of the barn, and that is a huge part of your offense. And so I think what it's going to come down to is the Knicks have to make a decision between R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle. We've seen the Randle experiment here with the Knicks. This is his, I think, fifth season with the Knicks. His outlier year where he made the all-star team and most improved, I think that was a gift for him, but that was a curse for the organization. Because... It's not that he's not a talented player. He is in the right circumstance, but there, there is a certain ceiling that they can reach with Julius Randle as one of their key players. And so I think they need to continue to peel it back, continue to play these, these younger players and, and focus on the draft to see if they can develop or draft and, and or a true impact player. Because right now I don't see where the trade market, where there's a player out there for them of a Donovan Mitchell type of caliber. And I don't see where you know, making it another middle-of-the-road trade is going to help them be more than just a middle-of-the-road team. I'm glad that you mentioned Randall. He had that great year when they were a top-four seed. He played terribly in the Atlanta series. And my feelings at the time were, I, I get why the Knicks are going to give him a big contract, but I'd let him play out the walk year. Let's see if he can go and do it again. The Knicks, I guess, you know, for whatever the reason, CP, they wanted to show players around the league, hey, we take care of our own. Guy had an all-NBA season. We want to reward him for that. But, man, I kind of look at where they're at right now. I think we could both agree they'd be in a much better place, even though Randall could put up numbers and he yeah. can play. But that contract, CP, they'd be better off not having it. I don't know how you can debate that. No question about it. And you think about the fact that they drafted Obi Toppin with the eighth pick, a redundant piece to what you have in Julius Randall. And... When they did draft Obi, I did hear that they were, you know, looking to trade Julius Randle. He, he's never been an untouchable piece for the Knicks, but nevertheless, he has that year and they took care of him. They took care of a number of other veteran players uh, uh, last year and Derek Rose and Alec Burks and Nerlens Noel. And I think one of the downsides to Leon Rose being here is he's very much relationship based. You look at everyone who he's brought in from Tom Thibodeau, who you could question was, was he the right fit for where the Knicks should be going? taking care of Julius Randle, bringing in a Jalen Brunson and a Rick Brunson, even though Jalen Brunson has been what we've needed. Um, some of the assistant coaching hires, you know, everything has been family-based, who he's had a relationship with. 
the pursuit of a Donovan Mitchell, even though he's an all-star caliber player, someone who has a ties to Leon Rose and, and CAA as well. And so sometimes you have to question, it makes me question whether or not the decisions that Leon Rose has made, when you look at it in its totality, has it been in the best interest of the organization as a whole? And I think that's still left to be determined. I think it's a totally fair point. Now, I got to preface this by saying I didn't want to trade R.J. Barrett because to me he was the homegrown guy. I still feel there's another level he can reach as a player. And right now, CP, look, that's unpopular. He's played poorly this year. I can't sugarcoat it. You gave me the numbers from three-point range. They're abysmal. I think R.J. Barrett would be the first guy to tell you I have not been good enough. Um, I didn't want to move Barrett because to me, like, Mitchell's a great player. Don't get me wrong. Mitchell is a better player than Barrett. But my fear was, okay, you go and trade for Donovan Mitchell. Are you a top four seed in the Eastern Conference? Do you have a championship caliber roster just by making that trade? I, I for one, didn't see it that way. I wanted Mitchell. I didn't want to give up Barrett. Where did you stand on that? Will you get Mitchell at all costs? Were you in that camp? Did you want to hold on to R.J. Barrett? And now looking back on it, if you could do it over again, what would you do differently? I was on the side that said, don't trade him. I didn't so want to. So we were in RJ. agreement there. Okay. Yeah, he was a number three pick. He was a homegrown talent. Uh, he has the work ethic to, you know, to, as, as a person who wants to continue to be better. Yeah, he's not the most athletic. He's not the most gifted. But I felt like he's a guy who understands what's necessary to win here in New York and the work that you have to put in to be a good player. And so, CP, he gives a shit. You know, yeah, there's something yeah. to be said for that, right? Like, there are yeah. plenty of guys that come to New York and you're like, are they wired properly? You nailed it. He cares. Like, right. those are the sort of guys I want on my team. Right. And, and so the the issue is that with the Mitchell trade, of course, I wanted Donovan Mitchell, but not at all costs because you had to factor in what the future would look like once you brought him in here. And for the Knicks, it would be, well, bring him in here and figure out the rest later. And it was a tough proposition to sell. If you look at what Cleveland did, they traded guys who they didn't necessarily need in, in a marketing, in a sexton, Agbaji, uh, who they drafted. Now, those guys are playing well for Utah, but they have they had a core intact. They have a Darius Garland, who's an all-star. They have an Evan Mobley, who's a future all-star, in my opinion. A Jared Allen, who's an all-star. They had a nice core nucleus to bring in a Donovan Mitchell and not necessarily lose. But for the Knicks, it would have been the, the exact opposite. But my frustration lies in the fact that with the Knicks' young core right now, including an R.J. Barrett, you're just not sure what you have and how good they can truly be. And, and that's my problem with the Knicks is that they've never been in a position to make a trade like this where it wouldn't hurt them in the future. Because R.J., he's, he's okay. He has a lot of room to go before he reaches some sort of all-star ceiling, right? Especially from three, finishing at the rim defensively. He's fallen off in a lot of respects. You know, Obi Toppin, uh, Quinton Grimes just got into the starting lineup. What do they have in, in a Cam Reddish? Emmanuel quickly playing very well defensively. Offensively, it, it's, it's been, you know, um, sort of in the middle for quickly. So what I mean is, you know, the, their young talent just has not either helped them win enough games or allowed them to attract better talent without giving up the entire farm. And that's the predicament you run into. We saw it with Carmelo Anthony over a decade ago. Knicks go and trade for Carmelo. They give up a bunch of their assets. They give up their picks. They don't amnesty Maurice Stoudemire. We don't need to revisit what happened 11, 12 years ago. 
But I think that's what the Knicks tried to avoid in not making this Mitchell trade. Okay. The young player is not getting an opportunity. So I'm not one of these guys, CP, that hates Tom Thibodeau. Like, I, I'm i nostalgic, man. Like, I go back to the Van Gundy years. He was a part of that staff. He has had a great NBA career, one in Chicago, was working with Doc Rivers. Like, I always liked Tibbs. I always appreciated the idea of Tibbs being a coach. And listen, his first year, the guy did a wonderful job. They were a top four seed when they didn't have top four talent in the Eastern Conference. However, my biggest critique, and I'm sure we're going to agree on this, he's got to play the young players, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care if it means the Knicks fall short of a plan or whatever the case may be. There needs to be an edict from somebody. Play your young guys. See what you have in your younger players. Is that yeah. your biggest critique right now with Thibodeau? Yeah, I think that's what it's been for the last few years. But it, it seems like he's starting to come around to it. When you look at the fact that a guy like a Cam Reddish, who coming into the season was probably third on that wing depth chart coming off the bench, Cam Reddish has assumed himself into a spot where he can't come out of that rotation because he's probably your only true wing and your best wing defender. And so we saw that as soon as he came back against in the game against Memphis, you know, Cam Reddish logged close to 30 minutes, along with Quentin Grimes, who's now in the starting lineup. I think Evan Fournier's days with this organization are pretty much Thank done. Thank God. Thank God. Don't let the door yeah. hit you on the way out. It's, CP, last offseason, yeah. that was the one move I absolutely detested. Like, they, yeah. that last offseason was a dud for the Knicks. That, and I know they needed shooting. I know it was obvious in the Atlanta series. Fournier is an absolute stiff. I don't want to see him ever yeah. again. I really don't. He, he, he gave him nothing. And so, but, but unfortunately... You know, they need three-point shooting. <laughs> but that, that's the trade-off. You know, they put Grimes into the, the starting lineup. He's supposed to be a, a above-average three-point shooter. He hasn't had that just yet. And so three-point shooting continues to be an issue. Uh, you're starting to see Obi Toppin and Julius Randle share the court a little bit more consistently in games. But there's still, you know, that, that Randle situation where he's going to still log most of the starter minutes. You brought in Isaiah Hartenstein last offseason a guy who was supposed to bring a different dimension to the offense than what Mitchell Robinson and Jericho Sims can provide, but defensively and on the rebounding side doesn't give you that element that that Sims and Robinson have been giving you. And Jericho Sims has been playing outstanding. And so even though I think Tibbs has, has come around to playing these guys and he, he's adjusted, you know, the, the Knicks are 10th in pace right now. They are hoisting a lot of three-point attempts that they're just not making it. So I think Tibbs is adjusting to, to the modern game but there's still clunky roster fits right now that the Knicks have to figure out. The OB Julius situation, the center position are, are just two, to name a few. You mentioned clunky roster fits, which is obvious the case with the New York Knickerbockers. If there's one that can be realistically fixed yeah. at the deadline, and I say realistically because, look, trading Julius Randle with that contract it's not, that's not an easy thing to do. You got to be able to match that up. That's the way the NBA works. Give me an idea here, CP, of a potential roster fix that's realistic between now and the end of February. Yeah. Well, we've been hearing that that Emmanuel Quickly's name has been on the trading block or Derek Rose has been on the trading block. Uh, does that fix the Knicks long term based on what they get? No, I don't think so. I think you're looking at future draft consideration something that the Knicks would likely take and, you know, package up for a trade down the road. So it's more of a kick kick the bucket down the road type of move. But to improve the roster right now, as you said, I, I just don't see it because a Julius Randle trade, which should happen and, and should allow the Knicks to 
you know, take a step forward while taking, you know, two steps back in the near term, it's just hard to envision it being a reality because he has four years left on his on his deal. The other team taking him on has to have confidence that he can truly help them and that they'd be comfortable giving up the amount of assets, you know, money-wise or draft capital-wise to, to get him. And so it's a very hard trade to make. But I think a guy like a Quickly who his defense has been outstanding. I think that's been one of the few bright spots on this team right now. I think he, it makes him one of the most sought-after sought assets, also given the fact that they haven't re-signed him to a longer-term deal as yet. I think, you know, he would garner the most, uh, you know, market value. But does that help them per se in the, in the near term? I, I don't think so. So they're, they're in a tough spot. Okay. I want you to leave us with this because – Forget about wins, losses. You, your feelings towards the franchise. You want to see him get to a championship level at some point in your life. I know I would. I, I can't imagine what that would be like, CP. Yeah. But listen, that's a story for a different day. Tell me, in your opinion, what is the best case scenario for the Knicks by the end of this year? And that could mean being in the lottery. That could mean yeah. being in the, the way you see it. What's the best thing that could happen for this organization between now and the end of this NBA season? Best case scenario would be to have a Pelican-like season the year that they got Zion, which is, you know, six best odds in the lottery, and you get lucky and you shoot up to the top. It's a lot of luck in the draft and with the lottery, right? First, you have to get the and right the Knicks pick. never have it. That's a, <laughs> that's what I've known my entire life, CP, because <laughs> right. I didn't live through the Ewing uh, lottery when they ended up winning yeah. that one. Our entire lives, all they do is lose in the lottery, dude. Yeah, they they didn't have it, but it, it's not the plan. You know, Masai Ujiri, the the president of the Raptors, said, "Forget playing. I'm I'm all or nothing." And so, for the Knicks, to me, it's continue to to compete, continue to fight like they are. But ideally, the best case scenario with them is for them is to shoot up into that top three, four, five in that lottery and really try to pull out an impact player that can really help change the fortunes of this of this team. And we're looking at a draft class who a lot of the prognosticators feel like it's a deep one. So let's let's see where they end up. But for me, it's lottery. It's not playing for this team in, in terms of uh, the, the long-term prospects. See, I'm right there with you, but I have a funny feeling we'll be talking Nick playing, Nick Heat, or <laughs> Nick Wizard, and then they'll yeah. get absolutely slaughtered by the Celtics or the Milwaukee right. Bucks. Uh, let's see how it plays out over the next few weeks and months. And my man, continued success. You're self-made. I love what you're doing. It's fantastic content. Uh, this is a ton of fun. Hopefully the next time I have you on, you know, the Knicks are really churning. Maybe, well, actually, I want to have you on sooner than that, so that's probably a bad example. But who knows? Maybe we're talking about a big-time lottery pick for the Knicks at the end of this year. I would love that. Hey, n never know, man. But, yeah, anytime you want to have me on, I'm, I'm happy to do it. So thanks again. CP, keep up the good work, man. Thanks for a few minutes, okay? Uh, thanks a lot, John. Ton of fun. Tuesday pod. We're back. Red Hop and Ingo. 4-0 or 3-1. What did he go? Like 3-1-1 last week? Yeah, 3-1-1. I go three and two. I'm still salty about that Cowboy game on Thanksgiving. Very, very salty about that game. But listen, never going to complain about a winning week. I, I, I can't wait for these football games. Good thing I'm on hiatus. I, I needed it. I'm itching to get back on the golf course, too. Playing Saturday, even though it's going to be miserable, like compared to what I'm dealing with here in South Florida. But when you got the bug, you got the bug, baby. Should have shot like 90 the other day. Could have, should have, would have. But good job by Stefan. Uh, thanks to CP and Daniel Jones. Football Friday in a couple of days.
until then, ginger out. Be good, everybody.